Well, hi, all. Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you. And a little announcement of something fun that is coming up here at Boundless next week. Namely, Tuesday, December 14th at 1.30 Mountain Time. So mark your calendars already. Let me tell you what it's about. I am going to be interviewing pastor, Canadian pastor, Carrie Newhoff. Uh, in addition to pastoring, he's also very much an expert on leadership and other topics. Maybe you've heard his podcast. But this is going to be done for the first time ever as a live event, and you are invited to be part of this live event. And by live, I mean you're going to join us via the Listen app to listen in and actually in real time ask questions of us. So this is super fun. We're testing it out. We want you to be there. So uh, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to interview Carrie about his book, At Your Best, How to Get Time, Energy, and Priorities Working in Your Favor, which I like to just say how to get a grip on your life basically. So it's going to be a hodgepodge of great uh, advice and information from him. The second half, the second segment that we're going to tape is going to be a Q&A where you're going to live uh, on the app, ask your questions. And so he will answer them right there. And then we're going to use them on the show. So super fun. So here's what you need to know. Uh, you need to hop over to Boundless Social. So either Facebook or Instagram, check us out there. You're going to look for a link that we're going to provide to the actual event itself. And then uh, again, Tuesday, December 14th, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time is when it's going to happen. And you jump in and you're part of the event. Think of your questions now that you would love to ask Pastor Kerry. And we will make sure that we get them in when we make the event happen. So I'll be there hosting it, saying hi to you. And we want you to be part of our live audience via the app. So again, Tuesday, December 14th, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Right now, check and see on our social uh, what the link is and make sure you bookmark it because that's what you're going to want to click to join the event that day. So I will see you there. Well, later on for our inbox, we have a girl, one of our listeners, who is battling sexual frustration as a single adult and is wondering, what are some practical ways to honor God with sexual desire before marriage? So one of our counselors is going to chime in on that. And then for our culture segment, Dr. Greg Smalley and Joanna Brown are here to talk about their stories of overcoming the pain and regret of a past abortion and really the hope that can be found there. I mean, a really serious topic, but wow, how can God... God redeem our brokenness and the stories that we uh, have or the stories that we live out. And so you're going to want to stay tuned for that conversation. Okay, here we are for our roundtable. And we thought we would tell you another story as part of uh, this segment. And this is going to continue into next week. So we're going to have a two-parter here. And uh, speaking, you know, we uh, talk about abortion and we actually touch on this topic throughout the year and sometimes when you hear stories or you talk about like the pro-life issue I think especially young adults a lot of us are just like oh my goodness are we talking about this again where are we going with this or we talk about it like legislation and then people just flatline or they get really angry and stuff and we're like you know what we want to tell a story that actually talks about the very real reality and the hard aspects of being in an unplanned pregnancy and deciding to choose life. But this whole idea of like, you know what, when you choose life, it doesn't just mean that like all your problems are solved and everything, you know, someone's going to step in and rescue you and this is going to be easy and God's just going to deliver you X, Y, Z. And so 
we need people to put legs on that story. And so I am going to invite Jared and Glory here to tell their story. And then also at the table uh, is our own Kelly, Kelly Sargent uh, here from Focus on the Family. She is part of our, um, really our pro-life team here at Focus um, that encompasses many things that go on in that space. And so welcome to all of you. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Good to have you. Okay. Well, I want to start this out um, with story. And so, um, Jared and Glory, I need you guys to start at the beginning because, um, first of all, you're local. You guys grew up in Colorado, right? Yes. Um, You met, I think, at a Christian high school, right? Yes. I love that I'm asking this because this is actually like recent history. I'm talking like you guys are like 60 years old. You're actually very... (laughs) Back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. So, okay. You guys pick it up from there. Give us context. What are we talking as far as like how long ago this was? You guys were at high school together. You were dating. Start the story there. So we met when we were actually in fourth grade. Oh, wow. So we totally grew up together and have been friends forever. Um, but did not start dating until senior year of high school, which was 2016. So about five years ago, six yeah. years ago. Okay. And um, had been friends, like I said, our whole life. And so just, you know, just picked up <laughs> <laughs> right where we were. And um, we were, let's see, I mean, the next step after that is just summer. We graduated, um, had a great relationship, had a great relationship with our families and um, yeah, graduated, had plans for college. Jared was going to go to... So I was going to go to college in San Diego to study ministry. Mm-hmm. And Gloria was going to do nursing at UCCS yes. so here those, in Colorado. Those were our plans. We had both committed to these schools and yep. were planning on going there and dating, trying to date long distance. Graduated in May and then, then we found out we were pregnant, out we were pregnant in, in July. July. Yeah. So that was crazy so that okay. was, that's the story <laughs> so let me interrupt here because um you don't get pregnant without having sex <laughs> yep, right? yep. if anyone is listening and doesn't know that and i love this because when when i was talking to you about this before before we started taping you had kind of talked about like this was not your plan you're not like hey i mean you're both i mean here you are at a christian school you guys were in right. christian families and stuff you're just not like hey let's blaze this whole thing away and just start having sex and do whatever i mean so talk about that clearly there's a decision that was made there but obviously it's not like you're just trying to defy god or be you know go off i think so much of it was that we we didn't want to be having sex before marriage that was like a conviction that we both had that we both were failing in and like keeping that conviction and so like we knew how a baby was made (laughs) but we never wanted to go to the store and buy condoms, you know, because then we felt like we'd be planning for our sin. Yeah. And so that was really difficult for us. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, it was just hard. I mean, when your entire community and family disagree, well, obviously, I mean, we disagreed with it. We were talking to our friends about how sex was wrong. Right. And doing it. Like, how hypocritical, you know? And it's just, it was such a temptation, and it was so hard. And we were always trying to stop, and that's why, like he said, we never wanted to plan on it, and so we never wanted to buy condoms, and we were irresponsible, and then ended up pregnant. And And talk about that, about finding out, because I know you you found out, you came and told um, Jared, Mm -hmm. and then you ended up, you had to tell other people, too. But were you... Gloria, I mean, were you surprised? I mean, or talk I, about what well, went through your head. I think, yes, I was 
totally surprised. I had been suspecting it because I had some symptoms. And we would always just joke about it, like, oh, what if that would be so funny? Ha ha ha. And then it was not so funny really fast. Yeah. And it was real. And yeah, found out I was pregnant and took the pregnancy test, was terrified. It felt like a movie scene where your heart drops and you're like, this isn't my real life, you know, happening right before me. And I have to tell Jared. And it was just, you know, when you have so much control over your life to an extent and then absolutely no control, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, we had a plan. And now I had no idea what was going to happen next. Yeah. And you were how old? I was 18 and you and Jared was 18 also. Okay. Okay. So you go and you tell him and Jared talk about your thoughts and just kind of what that first conversation, what went down, how you talked it over. Yeah. So she told me she was pregnant and I was obviously shocked as well because it then became reality. Like she said, we were like, what if that'd be so crazy. But then when it was real, it was like, okay, there's going to be like some things that are going to change in life, like big changes. Um, and for me, it was just like I needed to affirm her that I was not leaving. I wasn't going to go to California anymore. That was just not even an option in my mind. Um, and for her, it was just I think she was afraid. And she also felt like we have like these big goals and um, we could just get rid of this baby. No one has to know. We could just continue to date. I was but, so concerned about what people would think about us and about me with our positions and um, ministry and that was just, yeah, my number one concern was what are people going to think? What are our families going to think? We have a plan. You're going to California. I'm going to be a nurse. Like, we we don't have to do this. We can get rid of this. Yeah. And I was saying that to him, and those were words that I never thought that I would say. I mean, I was in my women's ministry class a couple months earlier giving a speech about abortion and how it's wrong. So it's just crazy that I sat in that position and was like, I can, we can get rid of this and no one has to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was... I was horrified and I just thought that it was easy to get rid of it and that we could just move on with our lives. Well, I think that's great to be honest about the reality of, I mean, when when something's theoretical versus when it's real and all of a sudden it's your life, then you're making decisions. I mean, the fact that, Jared, you were even like, okay, well, I guess San Diego's off the table. I mean, that you just knew that. I mean, that's like a... Some people would agonize weeks over that. I know. He was yeah. just instantly. And I was like, no, I'm like, still go. I'll figure it out. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm she like, was like, go I... the first semester and then come back. I and I was like, like I don't the take... hardest part of your pregnancy, I'll be gone. I'm and, like, yeah. I, I didn't want to take his life away from him, you know, even though it was, you know, takes two to tango. I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I felt like I was not only messing up my plans, but messing up his as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Talk about the... I mean, really, you guys both alluded to this. Life changed for you. I mean, all of a sudden, you were having to reprioritize things. You were things were going to go. They were going to get tabled. Stuff you didn't know if you'd ever circle back and what that would look like and stuff like that. As far as dreams, career goals, stuff like that. So, what you know individually, what had to happen within your hearts to? I mean, Jared, it sounds like you were much more decisive about this. You just knew kind of what you were going to do. But talk about the grief around you know, a a few maybe shattered dreams and stuff that you were going to have to give up. Yeah. Yeah. I think so much of it was like the grief of losing our youth and just like knowing that, okay, we're kind of like bumping ourselves up a decade now, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. instead of 18, it feels like now we're 28 married, having a kid. Mm -hmm. And so we knew that like, we didn't want to continue living in our sin. And so we wanted to get married um, and give that 
baby boy like a good home and a good like view of his, of a family and not just like have a, a broken home and what could end up mm-hmm. from that and so we knew that like our next step was going to be getting married and it's something that we had talked about r- regardless of the situation That's like cool. in our lives we knew we wanted to to be together mm-hmm. and so that helped but still the like panic mode of like okay I need to now operate as an adult I'm no longer a child I'm not in high school anymore um, like what are the steps I need to take and there was like guilt and shame and I think I just had to like give those to God and know that like that's not how he operates mm-hmm. and that's not how he views us as like these sinful creatures like he has so much more for us and he mm-hmm. will have so much more for our baby boy and so yeah. that was like that was huge yeah. for me it was hard to watch our friends go to college and um get to live their lives out and it was a confusing time also because we felt like we needed to show that we were mourning and that we were sad all the time to people when there was also a slight bit of like excitement for this child and excitement for this life even though even though it was not our plan we're like is it okay that we're excited to meet a little baby and Mm. have a little baby and like i don't know have a home together and even though this is like i said not our plan at all is it okay that we can feel those things and so that was something that was hard we're like conflicted with all these emotions like normally when you're having a baby it should be exciting and Mm -hmm. i'm like this is so painful because i feel like i need to be sad but that's not fair to this life Mm -hmm. that i'm having and so yeah that was those were conflicting feelings and and then dealing with yeah in our relationship those hard things of still wanting to be young and still having a little bit of irresponsibility in us and thoughtlessness and going off and wanting to hang out with our friends and stay up late and (laughs) sleep in and you know all those things it was like we don't get to do that like Jared said we just kind of are we're skip you know we're kind of in the next decade and we have to just grow up Mm -hmm. and that was really hard because we didn't feel I mean we weren't we were 18 we're like so so that was that was hard okay let's uh, talk a little bit about the the nuts and bolts I know that you got connected with a a pregnancy medical clinic here in town and just started that process and I know you know I've been involved with several and know the great work that they do but talk about what that looked like walking through those doors kind of what what was the experience um, even systematically of what they had you do kind of what you know what the assurances were what the conversations were life network was amazing I went in actually on my own um, I think Jared was probably at work or something, but um, I went in on my own. I talked to a couple ladies. I think it was two or three. They just like took me right in. I'm going to cry thinking about this, but they just like took me right in and just talked to me about my story, asked me what was going on and got me all like signed up and just made me feel so loved. And then they sat there and prayed over me and it was just so sweet. And I just felt like accepted and cared for. And that everything was going to be okay and that I was going to have clothes for this baby. And not only that, but education on like how to be a mother and how to mm. be parents. And that it wasn't just for me, but they also had a fatherhood program, which yeah, was really cool. That was amazing. I was yeah. like, I think that so many like men who become fathers feel so like unequipped for that job and mm-hmm. feel like their dad didn't do a good job, but they're going to do everything the opposite. But then the pendulum swings like way too far in the other direction. And so... Mm-hmm the fatherhood program was like, I think gave me such a foundation for like, this is like your life now. And this child is 
yours. Mm. And here are some ways that you can like healthily raise this child and still have a good relationship with, with your wife or your partner. Yeah. And helped us, yeah, in our relationship with each other. Yeah, and yeah, the pregnancy center was incredible and they just gave us like like every uh, appointment we went to, they gave us like little baby bucks and we could spend mm. at the... And we the could store. buy what did we buy the mattress we a for mattress. our trip which is like and i think a car seat just like big just these big expenses that yeah. like were that you worry about yeah that they just blessed us with mm-hmm. just awesome. for doing the program yeah well i want um kelly i want to bring you in here because the role of pregnancy medical clinics pregnancy resource centers you know whatever they they go by i mean they they are a presence in so many communities and when uh, whether it's a pregnant mom or a couple, like, you know, because there's different scenarios. I mean, sometimes the mom's on her own. Sometimes the dad sticks uh, by her. But inevitably, they're going to walk into usually either a Planned Parenthood or they're going to find a Christian resource center of some sort or a life-affirming center in their own city. Talk about what are they expecting what do they gen, you know, generally see? I mean, and give us a little compare contrast of maybe what, you know, what their experience might be going into Planned Parenthood versus a life network like Jared and Glory went to. Sure. Thanks. Um, so with uh, Planned Parenthood, their focus is to help you fix your problem. Mm-hmm. One option. Mm-hmm. A pregnancy center wants to talk about all of your choices that you have, there are three choices. And obviously their desire is for you to choose life, but they're going to talk to you about all three options if you're unsure of which way you want to go. But their heart and desire is to really connect with that mom and dad, whether they're married, whether they're single, they just want to hear your story and come alongside and say, you are brave enough. You're strong enough. And we're going to celebrate you and walk with you through this. It's quite the experience. Yeah. Very different than a Planned Parenthood. So is it practically speaking, I'm assuming anyone can walk in and get a pregnancy test. Um, most people can get ultrasounds if the equipment exists there. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of people don't realize that these are actually like legitimate places that have resources mm. and stuff. Yeah. It's not just, you know, I think yeah. that the perception from decades ago was it was just going to be people like yelling at you, waving plastic babies in your face <laughs> about how, you know, don't kill this baby and and stuff like that or maybe that's just me <laughs> I don't know I mean I just feel like there's a lot of angry people out there that just would stereotype that I don't yeah know. well it comes from a place of hurt right mm-hmm. and pain um and the people who work at a pregnancy center they all have stories we all have stories um but again their heart is for the people walking through and the pregnancy centers the medical clinics that we work with they um have a nurse manager, a medical director. It is medically um, sound. Um, And so it is a safe place to walk into. It's not like, you know, you're no offense, but it's not like your grandma with little doilies sitting around. <laughs> like, they're up to date. They know what's going on in the culture. They want to hear from you. They want to give you as much help and resources and confidence as they can. Mm-hmm. And so their goal is, to love on you and then give you to the church who can 
mentor you and disciple you and and yeah. bring you up and introduce you to the Lord, which is well, awesome. And I like what Jared and Gloria are saying is it's not just like, uh, hey, we're going to hang with you for four days mm. and then be, I mean, it really was a continuum of care. It's a two-year. It's a two-year program. The, yeah. yeah. Wow. Which was awesome. And really the, the main thing they did was they just sat and they listened to me, which was something that I was surprised by is they just, I mean, my lady was Kim. And um, she's the best. And she just sat there and asked me questions. And I feel like one week I'd be talking about, I don't know, our groceries. And the next week I'm talking about my husband. And then then the struggles as a mom, you know, I'm talking about anything. My friends, I'm talking about my in-laws. I'm talking, you know, she was just there to sit and listen. And I think that was great. Like, it was almost like a counselor kind of. I think she maybe is. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Probably has some kind of degree. I don't know. And so... Um, it was just great. I think it was, you know, she wasn't sitting there preaching at me. She was just sitting there and listening. And yeah. that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. So timeline wise, I mean, we're almost out of time here. So I want to start off next week with you guys talking through how you started sharing the news with folks, because mm. there was family to tell, there were friends to tell. Clearly, you guys said you had been, you know, talking pro-life stuff with people and now you're like oh um okay we're gonna have to walk this talk what does this look like Mm. so i want to talk about that but before we end this week give us a little placeholder of where things are now because we said this was five years ago Mm -hmm. so you guys got when did you guys get married december 2016 so it was the same year yeah okay graduated in may got married in december okay and then you had your little baby boy yeah so tate was born in march 2017 okay so coming right after that and then now where's your family right now status we are still married we're we're coming on our five-year anniversary this december which is very exciting um tate is four and a half and we have a daughter who is three and I just found out I'm pregnant. So, yeah, there's number three on the way, and we have jobs, and we're happy. (laughs) Jobs are so good. We're employed. We are employed. We we just bought a house this year. And you're clearly, you're the ancient age of 23 now, right? Okay, so... (laughs) <laughs> All right. So you're trucking along. You're doing it's so funny to me because I think, you know, we talk to so many young adults on the show who are frustrated. I don't care if you are married, single, have kids, don't have kids, uh, unplanned pregnancies, don't. Most people feel like there's something about their life that they wish was different or the grass is greener somewhere else. And mm. so I think it is so great you guys telling your story because it's not just like oh, okay, well, clearly, because you guys made that choice, you're just signing up for a bad story. But everyone else is so great. We all have struggles. We're all trusting God with something. We're all, you know, there are all dreams there that we have to table or postpone or whatever. So there's hope in that. And as a community, we can come around one another and encourage one another. And through discipleship and through care, we're going to get more of that next week. So um would all three of you be willing to join us again as we continue the story? Yes. yes. Yeah. Woohoo. All right, let's do it. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Come to me, all who are tired and lonely. 
Okay, so we are here for this week's culture segment, and we just heard the amazing story from a couple who chose life even amidst uh, difficult odds. And of course, it didn't make their story like super easy, but God and their community and their families came around them, and that was super inspirational. So another aspect of the story that I want to talk about right now in our culture segment is what about those of you who have um, chosen abortion, whether you're male or female, you have been one half of a relationship that was like, hey, this is my only way out. You made that choice. Um, That's where it landed. And so I'm very privileged to have two friends of mine here today. One of them is also my boss, but I'm not (laughs) holding that against him. Um, I have got Greg Smalley here and Joanna Brown. Hey, guys. Hello. Thanks for having us. Wonderful to have you. What choice did you really have? I know. I know. It's like, here we go. Performance review. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, but it's so great to have them here to tell their stories because, spoiler alert, abortion is in their story. And spoiler alert, they are still Christians. They are still loved by God. They are still living under grace. They are still like functional adults who love people who um, now have additional kids and love those kids. And so I want this to be a very hopeful segment of what this means to walk forward in life and in grace and in trusting God um, with hard parts of your story on different levels. And so I want you guys to start out. um, In fact, Joanna, why don't you lead us off? by just telling us kind of the nuts and bolts of how this went down. You, we were just talking before we even started taping that you hadn't even told this part of your story for a long time. So go ahead and lay it out for us. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Um, so it took me 10 years to uh, to share my story because it's difficult. It's difficult to process, um, to even go back and try to think through everything because of the guilt and the shame. You don't want to share it with anybody and then have to mentally go through that all over again. Um, but it is so important for young girls and guys to understand what you do go through, what happens. Um, I was, um, I met my boyfriend, now husband, but boyfriend at the time we were dating in high school. And uh, right after graduation, I had just gotten uh, my acceptance letter to go to Texas Tech, which was the school I had dreamed, like it's the only school I ever wanted to go to. Same day, found out I was pregnant. And um, my boyfriend was, uh, we had just graduated high school. He moved up here to, he moved up to Colorado. I was in Texas and we literally didn't know what to do. Um, I had, we were completely, I didn't have a job and didn't know how we were going to raise our kid. And the easiest thing, the way out was, well, we can get rid of this. And I didn't know, like, it didn't even, like at first having an abortion didn't even like go through my mind. I didn't even think about it. Um, we told our parents that we were pregnant and then um, kind of going through, okay, what do we do next? The hardest part was, okay, we go to this, we were at a small Christian school, go to church. What is the church going to say about us? What is the shame that I'm going to bring my family who are strong Christian family? We're very, very close. My, um, I was the shame that I was going to bring my grandparents, um, my parents. Like I just, I didn't know how to deal with that. And so Doug and I talked and we're like, well, we can get an abortion and then just kind of go on with our lives. And that's what we did. And that was like, I remember the day I remember like vividly everything that happened. And this was now 20. I mean, this was in 96, 96 mm-hmm. that this happened. Mm-hmm. So um, it was 
extremely painful. The whole process was painful for me. I was, I, the abortion process in itself was mm-hmm. a awful procedure. Um, but then afterwards, the guilt, the depression, I wasn't suicidal, but it, I, I'm a happy person. Anybody knows me. I'm very bubbly, very outgoing. Um, I became very secluded, mm-hmm. did not want to talk to anybody. I hated the world. Um, why would God want me? Why would God love me anymore? Because like I'm, what I just did and what kind of person am I that would kill my own child? That was tough to process. Hmm. And here it is. And you know, um, all these years later, I know I've been forgiven. Hmm. I, and I know that um, it doesn't take the pain away. Ever, ever. Mm-hmm. My child would be 24 right now. Mm-hmm. I always think, like, what I have, what we have three girls, would that have been my boy? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, there's so many things that you always wonder, but there's just the pain doesn't go away, mm-hmm. but there is hope on the other side. Yeah. Well, and it's so true, even you just saying that, the fact is you still keep time. You know, mm-hmm. you were just talking about your oldest daughter graduating from college, and it's like there's a placeholder there for mm-hmm. your oldest, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the fact that that's real, and that doesn't just go away. You yeah. know, that's not, that's a real person. And I hate it when people say, you know, well, okay, you made that decision. You can always have more. I mean, they say that with miscarriage. They mm-hmm. say that with abortion. They say, again, that's why we're pro-life. A life is a life, and it matters. And so thank you for giving that summary. Yeah. Okay, Greg. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, for me, um, very similar. Um, I was a little bit older, so I was in, in college. And when my girlfriend and I found out that we were pregnant, I'd actually taken her. I, I didn't even know where I was taking her, but ended up taking her into an abortion clinic because they offered free pregnancy tests. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't know any of this. But once we got there, once we found out, it was a, hey, and we can take care of this right here and now. And the problem for me is when we were thinking she was pregnant, I was so freaked out because my parents had always said, if you ever do that, you know, dad would probably have to leave the ministry. And I had a very famous father who was, mm-hmm. um, had a big marriage and family ministry and mm-hmm. and. In in fairness to them, I, I think if you ask them, they would be horrified. We never said that. I, that's what I heard. That's mm-hmm. what I believed. Mm-hmm. However I got there, that's what I was so afraid of. So for me, it was that fear of not only have I messed up our lives, but now my dad's going to have to leave ministry. We were at a, a small Christian college. Same thing that Joanna talked about, just all that guilt, that shame. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't see beyond that. Mm -hmm. It was like standing in front of just this this huge mountain. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't see over it, couldn't see through it, couldn't see past it. All I could see was I had failed miserably, and now I was going to be the source of all this pain and hurt, and people would be... You know, careers would be lost and ministries would be lost. And, and it just it, it being faced with all those emotions and the beliefs and the, the panic and the fear and then having someone saying, by the way, we can take care of that right now. It just it was in that moment a very easy decision mm-hmm. that that has become a, a lifelong you know source of just agonizing pain in mm-hmm. And like Joanna, you talked about just the procedure itself. I mean, I didn't, obviously, as the guy, I didn't have to go through that. 
But sitting in the waiting room, I can tell you, I couldn't tell you what songs were being played, but if I hear them, I have a panic attack. Hmm. And it's like I never can remember what songs were playing, but but I know there was a fish aquarium. Hmm. If I see a big fish aquarium, I'm just, I, I just feel it. My body feels it. And I just just break out into that cold sweat, that fear. And so really, Lisa, for me, it was, unfortunately, I wasn't active in church. You know, I'd go to chapel and I didn't, I didn't really have a mentor. I didn't in that moment have anybody to turn to. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what you can rationalize yourself into doing. Mm -hmm. And for someone that I always grew up very, very active against abortion and mm-hmm. total pro-life. And, and I was, I was so caught off guard that I then made that decision that I, I just couldn't process that. And kind of the same as Joanna talked about that just launched me into years long, just deep, dark depression. Same thing. I was so convinced that I had, I had done something that God would never forgive. I'd forfeited my opportunity to do any sort of ministry I was just so convinced that if I ever did have children again, clearly God would take one of them. Mm. And it just, it just, so I was just riddled with guilt, shame, fear. And I just went inward and just, just locked myself in this dark, deep cave for years. And it was, it was horrible, but I could put on a nice little smile and no one really knew what was going on, but I was suffering. So both of you kind of alluded to this idea of like, hiding in that and having to hold this decision and having to be like, okay, let's just try to move on. Let's try to do life with whatever that looks like now. Compartmentalize it. Yeah, compartmentalize it. So what did it look like telling people, living with people, walking with people? I mean, clearly, you know, you, um, you know, and interestingly, I mean, you're, like you said, Joanna, you married Doug Mm -hmm. and you have other girls and stuff. How did you guys start processing? I mean, beginning that day and moving on, I mean, obviously the depression, like you said, but how did you like functionally process that and even think through future decisions? Because it's kind of like, you know, you even had, you were even toying with one of your daughters, like, do we need to abort here? I mean, again, exactly what we just talked about in the previous segment. This is not just like easy, like, oh, now we're a little bit older and finances are so much better. And so this is super easy. Sometimes it just stays hard, you know, your whole life circumstances. So talk about that because then you, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Doug was having to make decisions about like, okay, do I marry this girl? What does this look like? Like what, you know, some people would be like, well, why didn't you just get married? But that's, that's very like complex. Easy. That is a lot of people. I mean, I think that happened a lot back early, you know, in our, our parents' age is yeah. there's a lot of shotgun weddings is what they call them. Yeah. You know, uh, that was, uh, we had talked about getting married, but we had a rocky relationship at the time. We were high school, we were young, mm. dumb. And it was just, it was our high school relationship wasn't ideal. And so we didn't want to get married just for the sake of having a baby. And I, my parents had just gotten divorced and I had told Doug, like when we're, we, if we get married, this is it. I'm not putting my kids through a divorce. Cause that was very traumatic on me. Mm. Um, so we didn't get married right afterwards. I remember like we, I, I was really, really sick from the drugs that they gave me right after the abortion. And I just like, I can't, I couldn't even like really function that next day. It, um, 
we used to live in Shreveport and I, at the time I had already moved to Dallas and he was moving to Colorado. And so it was like the very next week. And, um, so we didn't have a lot of time to even process. Okay. But when we, once we found out we were pregnant, okay, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't want, we weren't going to get married and I didn't want the stigma of being a single mom. Mm. And, um, and that was another thing to process was how am I going to be a single mom? Mm-hmm. And I don't have really a place to go and just going through all of that. Well, I'm, we're still dumb high school, you know, teenagers. Mm-hmm. So literally we go off to college. I went off to Texas tech and did my thing. And, but it was like, it was awful, but I, Doug and I still kept in touch and we were still like, we would still, still see each other. And so I got pregnant again. Okay, here we go. Round two. Now, what do we do this time? I couldn't go through an abortion. I just, I couldn't go through with that again, but we still weren't at a place to get married and we didn't. And I was a single mom for two years mm-hmm. and, um, that was, extremely difficult and then you really see who your true friends are and you see how the church is Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of the things with the church has been so hurtful is that it's pro-life 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 unless it affects one of you but then where are you to stand up nobody the church didn't help out with bills I didn't have any help Mm -hmm. with from the church Mm -hmm. like just basic needs Mm -hmm. diapers formula you know just your basic stuff Mm -hmm. um daycare that was a huge thing Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out daycare working for minimum wage I don't have a college degree but now I've got to go get a job to support my child and Mm -hmm. like all those little things um that was that was difficult those two years of Mm -hmm. raising Madison but still never, I never talked to anybody about my abortion. I didn't have anybody to talk to. My, I really thought it, when I told my parents and the people that did know that I was pregnant, I thought they would all be, they're all happy. Okay, it, we can push this under the rug and nobody ever has to know and we don't have to deal with this. So it's kind of like, whew. And I remember calling, um, there was a lady at our high school and I had called her right after the abortion. And I said, I want to let you know, she was like a, counselor to me. Um, she helped me through my parents' divorce. And so I said, I just want to let you know that I, um, I had an abortion cause I told her I was pregnant and she said, Joanna, God will forgive you. Hmm. And the first thing that went through my mind was I thought he'd be happy because we took this, what wasn't supposed to happen in the first place and got rid of it. So hmm. why, you know, why would God need to forgive me? That was the first thing that went through my mind. I didn't even know that I needed to be forgiven. Um, so that kind of like took me by surprise. Like, okay, I thought everybody would be happy. My parents are going to be happy. Like I'm not going to shame my family now. Well, of course I did again, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you learn, um, I've learned grace and I've learned, you don't know what other people are going through, how to love, the loveless. Cause at the time I was not lovable. I'm, Oh, mm. I am a, a completely different person than I was. I was mm. just mean and angry. Mm. I was a mean and angry girl, not mean to other people, but just my spirit. I mm. wasn't, it completely messed with my spirit. Mm. Um, and I remember thinking, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. This isn't who I was raised to be. And I don't like this person. Like mm-hmm. I didn't like her. Um, and 
So Doug and I finally decided to get married. And then it was, it's kind of like, okay, God, our relationship was awful in the beginning, you know, in high school. But I think God kind of was like, okay, now I'm going to bless your marriage and I'm going to bless you guys. When we did get married, we did do things right. And I felt like everything that Satan kept saying, you're no, you're not this and you're not worthy of this and you're not worthy of a good marriage and you're not worthy of being a good mother or having good kids. You're, that's all I kept hearing is I was never worthy of anything. I am so blessed now. We've been married for 22 years. Mm-hmm. We have the three most amazing daughters that, like, literally, I look at Doug and I'm like, how did we raise these girls? <laughs> like, <laughs> they really come from us because they're, like, just incredible kids. And I'm so proud. And and I think, and what makes me so sad is I'm missing one, mm-hmm. you know? I'm. Mm-hmm. We have this amazing, this perfect family mm-hmm. And there's one that's missing that mm-hmm. should be here with us. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Greg, how about you? The the telling, I mean, starting to tell folks, how did that unfold? Because some, it was years, you know, and what did that look like for you walking through that journey? Yeah, after the abortion, I just went into this, this cave mm-hmm. and I learned how to numb out. Mm-hmm. I wasn't using drugs or nothing like mm-hmm. that. I just learned how to really stuff my mm-hmm. emotions and and continue just to rationalize to the point that I kind of was able to almost bifurcate, separate out. It just, it was weird. Like mm-hmm. I became almost two different people, mm-hmm. and then I became extremely secretive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when when you try to hide something like that and get good at hiding it and numbing out, then you can. I was pulling it off. No one really knew. It was years later that that my dad was. We were walking one time, and he just said, "Okay, something happened to you." He goes, "I can see it in your face and your eyes. You're going to tell me." I was like, "You don't want to know." He's like, "No, you're going to tell me." Hmm. And that was really the first time that I told anyone, and it, it was really hard for him to hear. And we got into a a, a pretty big fight. And, and I was stunned. I was kind of like, man, I protected you. Like, I did this to, to save your ministry. Why are you mad at me? Mm-hmm. Like, I should be mad at you. Mm-hmm. And we worked through all that. But I think the Joanna talked about this. I, I think part of what goes on, so as I was numbing out and learning how to really be secretive, that Satan just preys upon the choices that we make and just writes lies on our hearts. Mm-hmm. Kind of you were saying that, like, mm-hmm. you know, was I lovable? Was I worth anything? Mm-hmm. For me, it was that I felt like a complete and utter failure. Mm-hmm. As a leader, kind of as a boyfriend, I, I should have been able to lead us through that. And that mm-hmm. just haunted me. I, I walked all that into my marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was so good at hiding and numbing that I'd, you know, I never even thought about getting help. And so I, I, in, in my marriage, then I was, I was, I felt so failed that anytime Aaron was upset with me for whatever, I I couldn't even have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Like I would just shut her down Mm -hmm. because it just, it was just confirming that, that deep fear that I was a complete failure. So I was a passive husband Mm -hmm. because I was so afraid of trying to make any sort of decision. Look what happened way back when, when I tried, mm-hmm. look what I did. So I'm not safe mm-hmm. to make decisions. And so Aaron was so confused as a young wife going, why, why won't you lead? Like mm-hmm. just in some area of our life, 
I just couldn't do it. Satan mm-hmm. had convinced me that I was a, a terrible leader, not worthy of leading, would make mistakes again. Mm-hmm. And so here I was secretive. I wouldn't share my emotions. I just couldn't, I couldn't be known mm-hmm. because if you knew what I went through, you would reject me. You would, you would walk away. You would mm-hmm. say, Ugh, that's, mm-hmm. that's ugly. Mm-hmm. Now I, Aaron knew all this before we got married. Mm-hmm. So I, I told her, but otherwise I just buried that whole conversation and, and kind of to Joanna's point, it's just, it's amazing to, to see how God is constantly pursuing us. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's in Psalms 23, six that David in one of the translations is saying to, to God, your, your, your love and beauty chase after me all the days of my life. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the best way to sum up that he continued to pursue me, even though I was trying to hide like Adam and Eve mm-hmm. in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, he continued to give me just these moments that, that healing would take place. I heard funny enough, I mean, just ironically a focus broadcast when I was in my late twenties hmm. and this woman was talking about how she prayed. She had had an abortion. She prayed that God would reveal the sex. Was this a boy or a girl? And I was like, wait, what? You could do that? <laughs> and I went home to Aaron and said, you th- th- come on, that's weird. Like, that's not true. And she's like, well, why don't you start praying about it? Mm-hmm. So we did. And, and I had the most vivid dream one morning about just, I saw a little boy that looked just like me sitting on the lap of Jesus and just seeing them just interact. Mm-hmm. And, and I woke up, I woke her up and said, I had a boy. Mm-hmm. And so we actually gave him my name mm-hmm. and we had a little memorial service. And all of a sudden he went from this, this horrible secret mm-hmm. to he was real. Mm-hmm. He had a name mm-hmm. and, and that, that began the, just the process of me being able to share that. And kind of like you were saying to me, it took me a while, mm-hmm. but now I love talking about him mm-hmm. because it, it just makes him real. Mm-hmm. And I know where he is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I, I don't debate theology with people. I believe that he's in heaven. Mm-hmm. I believe God showed me that and I'll be able to spend a lifetime mm-hmm. eternity mm-hmm. with him. I think one of the sneakiest things that Satan does, whether, I mean, whatever our story and whatever our failures or whatever our decisions is, he wants to um, convince us that God wants nothing more than to punish us, right. like that. It, that our relationship with God is totally transactional, and if we're good and we're obedient and we're doing all the right things, then that means success. And if we're not, then God's like, "Oh, well, there you went. Now I'm going to pull the trigger on something crazy." And you know, Greg, you said it in your whole like, "I was just assuming that God was going to take another oh. child of ours." And yeah. you know, Joanna, just talking yeah. through your story of that, like, "What, what do I do with this?" And what, you know. And I think it's so encouraging to know that God is not, God is not like us. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if anyone needs to hear that today, you, but Jesus. that is so good. I mean, and it's not, Lucky for us. Yeah, yeah, he's not just in all this petty weirdness that we're in of just tally sheets and making lists and being like, oh, well, this is what I deserve and this is what I'm getting. And I mean, the fact that, I mean, sure. God disciplines his sons. We know that. And, but it's all for our good. It's all for, you know, our good and his glory. And so. And his daughters, by the way. And his daughters. <laughs> just not his sons. Hey, there are male sons and female sons. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, so stop debating theology. Okay. okay. Yeah. 
anyway, um, just in our last couple minutes here, could you guys just give encouragement to that person who is listening and is like, maybe this is the first time I've heard this, or maybe I'm the person who hasn't told my story, or I don't know if I can face my mom or my grandparents, or I don't know if I can, or, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm facing the decision um, of an unplanned pregnancy right now. And I'm just thinking exactly where Joanne, I want to go to Texas Tech. And what am I going to do? And is this even possible? What's your encouragement to that person listening, whatever they might be struggling with right now? Well, I would say to any girl who's, if you're right now, if you're contemplating abortion, if you've just found out you're pregnant and you don't know what to do, there is life on the other side. I promise it's not the end of the world. It's easy to get caught up in our emotions and you can you can't see except what's in front of you by in that day, in that moment. But on the other side is a beautiful thing. And I have never once regretted having my children. Mm-hmm. Never once have I regretted looking and seeing my three beautiful girls. Mm-hmm. I have regretted my abortion every day of my life. Mm-hmm. Choose life. It's it, it I promise Right now, what what may seem as you have to put things off, God will bring it back. I've told this story before, but I want my I went to Texas Tech. My degree was in public relations. I wanted to work in PR. I get to work here at Focus, and guess what? God gave me He gave me a chance to work in public relations for ten years and <laughs> this in this wonderful place <laughs> like that. And it was God telling me. I never forgot your dreams or your Mm -hmm. passions or your desires. Mm -hmm. He wants that. He wants the best for you. And just because he created this little baby and that baby's not going to put a hindrance in your life, it's going to be a blessing, but just look, know that you can see through the moment and 10 years from now, I promise you'll be happier on the other side if you choose life. I love that. I so agree with what Joanne is saying. You know, I would just say to the men um, who were faced with the same decision, you need someone to talk to. You need, don't, don't, you don't need to feel alone. This is an overwhelming decision. I know you're, you flooded with emotions in don't do what I did. Don't go into the cave. Don't stand before the mountain and feel like there's nothing beyond. Go talk to someone, just your pastor, a, a professor, a, a teacher, someone, a friend, mm-hmm and just begin to get some perspective, Mm -hmm. um, lead well through this time. This is the best thing you were created for this moment. Mm -hmm. You were created to lead well and the fear will, will wipe that out. So just understand it's, it's fear and Satan prays upon that Mm -hmm. and perfect love casts out fear and just turn to the Lord, turn to to someone, just begin to pray that, that just God, what, what do you want Mm -hmm. from us in this? And I love how you said that you, there's not a day that goes by that you regret Mm -hmm. your children, nor do I. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That's the, the regret I have is I, I see what God's done through my story and I am the man I am today because of that. Mm -hmm. But man, I'd give anything for that not to be a part of my story. Mm -hmm. Like I hate that it is, but I Mm -hmm. see what he does through it and Mm -hmm. I see who I am. I'd, I'd trade that a million times over to not have to have this as a part of my story, but realize too, that, that God sent his son, not just to save us, but to heal our broken hearts. Mm-hmm. And so, um, whatever has happened, whatever choice that you've made, if you've, if you've had an abortion, been a part of an abortion, that that's God sent his son to heal your hearts and just know you have an enemy that wants to keep you trapped in the lies mm-hmm. that you're worthless, that you're unlovable, that you're a total failure. 
You just, you need truth, mm-hmm. God's truth. Who, who does he see you as? Mm-hmm. And that, that's where we have to turn to. And that's been such a big part of the healing mm-hmm. and just know that, that, yeah, God's not a punitive God. I mean, this is our father who's just, whose heart is so broken to see he, he, his heart was so broken watching me put myself into this crazy prison and I just know that he's like man that that's not what I want for you mm-hmm. like that's of my doing mm-hmm. and it and I I am just so grateful that that he continues to pursue and wants my heart healed more and more every time every year and I know that that's going to continue to happen absolutely Joanna and Greg thank you so much for sharing your stories yeah thanks thank a you lot for having us Hear my cry, oh God, listen to my prayers. From the ends of the earth I call to you. Hear my cry, oh God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. And when my heart is overwhelmed. Well, folks, as we finish out the show, we open up our inbox and we answer a question from one of you, our listeners. And this week, we have got Counselor Glenn Lutchins in the studio. Hey, Glenn. Hi, Lisa. Good to have you. Thank you. Here. Okay. Well, sometimes we get ones that, you know, we feel like, in fact, you and I were talking about this, about, you know, questions being kind of awkward, but there are no, you know, terrible questions. So I appreciate what this listener is writing in with, because I think this is like something that we have heard a fair amount here at Boundless. So um, this is what our listener says. I agree with your messages that sex is important to God and made for marriage, but this belief also hurts because I'm single with no prospects. I'm 31 and work hard to be chased in all of my relationships. My pastor has taught that sexuality is a fire that's a wonderful thing if unleashed correctly in the fireplace of marriage. At times, I felt empty, hopeless, and filled with grief. While God does not owe me a, quote, fireplace, he does expect me to be pure. What are some practical, real-life examples of godly ways to expend my sexual energy? Well, first, let me just say, I think that this individual, man or woman, doesn't say Mm -hmm. which, um, but their desire to have biblical integrity as it relates to their sexuality. Um, There's some things that I I think are important to, to keep in mind. First of all, that the most powerful sexual organ in the human being is right between our ears. It's our brain. The way in which we think about a situation, how we approach it. Uh, if we believe that it's something that we just have to give into, then that's probably going to be played out in a person's life. So our thoughts, uh, in a sense, bringing every thought captive to Christ, I think is really a key, key element. That being said, some of the things that are important to focus on are the fact that God has created each one of us as a sexual being. And yet, as the uh, listener has indicated, there's a framework in which God has created that sexuality before. Now, 
it's real challenging in our day because uh, years gone by, uh, marriages took place uh, a lot earlier. I mean, you think of Mary and Joseph and how old they were. Um, there's a lot less years to have to deal with some of those sexual passions and energies without uh, having an avenue, without having the fireplace, so to speak, for them. Um, so I think one, one element is understanding sex is created by God is a good gift. And, and understanding the importance of that. Now, physically, it can be helpful to have some healthy physical energy outlets. Exercise, I think, is an important thing that uh, can be meaningful for people. Um, but again, the, the, the understanding of how we think about a situation will come into play. There's a podcast that was done, I'm not remembering how long ago, but I'm told that that will be linked so people can listen to it. It's on the topic of masturbation and just the importance of each individual addressing that. Scripture doesn't say very much about it, so we have to use principles. And John Thorrington, a, a fellow uh, individual who worked with us in our department, uh, was the one who shared that. So I would encourage people to really take a look at that. Um, I think three areas where our energies can, can be placed as far as our thoughts are concerned. One is, and I I know this is going to sound churchy, but it's not meant to be. It's biblical because Jesus talks about it, and that is to seek first the kingdom of of God. Um, When we're seeking the Lord, when our our energies are channeled in that way, it doesn't eliminate the desire, but it, it also puts into context that God is the one who's most important in our lives. And so temptation that may come our way it's going to be, um, there's going to be, in a sense, some level of, of a bridle around that. Secondly, to be open, and I'm sure this, this individual is, uh, to find a spouse and to, to be able to put yourself in places where there may be, if it's a, a man where there's a woman or a woman where there's a man, so that they can really be open to that. And thirdly, maybe even more important than the last one I mentioned, is to continue to grow, to become a good spouse if God provides that for you uh, in the future. I think there's just some things in life that are painful. We live in a day where kind of uh, the whole element of instant gratification is ours. I mean, you want a quick meal, there's fast food, there's all kinds of different things where you get it quickly. And yet sometimes the things to wait for are the gifts that God has given. And I think there's a balance between, on one hand, valuing, the good gift that God has created sex to be, and yet at the same time, not presuming that it's the the end all of life, uh, because I think people can err by presuming that you know they haven't lived until they've been sexually intimate. It's a great gift from God, but it's something that we need to put in the Lord's hands ultimately in his desire. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Glenn. That's encouraging and just a lot of great principles to go by moving forward. Okay, folks, well, that is it for this week's show. I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.